Welcome to Welcome to Primetime. My name is Anthony. And I'm Matt. And we're back with the second part of our Friday the 13th deep dive series. And if you are listening to this episode on August 26th or August 27th, then you must be a patron. Thank you for supporting our Patreon channel and the patron exclusive podcast. And then if you are listening to this two weeks after August 26th or August 27th, then thank you for listening to the show on our regular Spotify feed. All right. Now that that ad is over. (laughs) So um, anyway, this is paid advertisement. (laughs) So uh, yeah, we're back with part two of our Friday the 13th uh, deep dive series. And so, if I recall correctly, in the first episode that we did, we sort of talked about like our our Friday the 13th origins, how we came to know about the franchise and all that kind of good stuff. And then we also talked about our favorite parts, favorite, uh, you know, part one, two, three, whatever it may be in the series. And so we're going to go all the way to the back, uh, all the way back to the beginning and kind of talk about the first two films. And then in part three, we'll talk about parts three and four and so on so um yeah so that's sort of an introduction we're kind of working out of order uh and in this second episode we're gonna recap part one and two but um yeah so matt do you remember like the first time that you watched friday the 13th part one the the og i'm trying to remember like I feel like I did say something about it on uh on the last one i feel like i did say uh i did uh i did say when it was but uh so just go back and listen to that one everybody and then you'll (laughs) yeah yeah more likely yeah like my uh i i'm i'm almost 30 so like my you know naturally my memory's kind of going off um (laughs) honestly um i i want to say like i was um i'm pretty sure i was like maybe like 10 or 11 or something like that yeah i want to say in a similar uh, fashion to me you watched it when you were like way too young naturally yes or just old enough. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I can't remember. I, I I know I know. Um, I'm pretty sure it was close to Halloween. It was close to close to around like Halloween time when like AMC or Sci-Fi or something like that had it on for the, like their Halloween marathon kind of stuff throughout the month. Yeah. Um, I want to say like that's probably uh, that like that's that's about, about as much as I can uh, that I can recall. I th- I think if I'm not mistaken, um, like in the last one I talked about, I think um. It was I, I got like the first um, the first time I think I remember recalling seeing it or something was right before a um, right before like a Halloween party that uh, was going on at one of the local hospitals where my dad used to work at. Yeah, I think I remember I, you telling me about that. Yeah, it was it was okay. So it was either Friday the thirteenth or it was um, that was either that was either when I saw the first one or when I saw the sixth one. I can't quite remember. Um, gotcha. Like. Like I said, I'm almost 30. I'm, I'm, I'm practically having Alzheimer's at this point. You old man. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I kind of, like, I don't, I, I guess I don't really remember, like, a very specific time that I watched the first one either. Um, I do know that I watched part three. Uh, that was the, the very first one that I watched. And then I kind of, so I, like, backtracked um, to the first film. And then... I watched that one, you know, probably like you were saying around, around the same age, I was somewhere between like 10 to 13, 14, somewhere around then that, in that age. And, um, I remember like, I remember enjoying it pretty, pretty well. I, there was like, at, 
at the time too. Like I was also very like, and I still am, you know, a, a diehard Halloween fan. So I think at the time I was like kind of comparing the two, like, Oh, Friday the 13th is not as good as Halloween or whatever, or this entry is as good or this one's better or whatever. And I was kind of doing that sort of comparison thing. And now like, you know, uh, I just appreciate them for what they are like, and I don't really compare them, but back in the day I was like, Friday the 13th is not as good as Halloween. And oh yeah. So, Same here. <laughs> yeah, major comparisons and stuff like that. So, um, but yeah, you know, now like, even though I do love Friday the 13th, I do have to say my, you know, like not even by a long shot is the first one close to my favorite. Um, like I'd actually rank, you know, several above it, but we can talk about the other ones later. Um, but yeah, so, you know, there, during the, the seventies and in eighties, the slasher craze, um, this was this, uh, original movie, Friday the 13th was like essentially just a cash in off of Halloween, the success of Halloween. And they started shopping around trying to get uh, a, get funding for it and everything. And they actually, did you know that the, the original ad for this movie to try, try to sell this movie was in variety magazine? No, I didn't. Um, that, 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 yeah, that, that's interesting. I didn't, I did not know that. Um, yeah. And it worked to, okay. So like to add <laughs> on to, to add on to that, a couple of things. Um, kind of like going back to you said, like with Halloween, like it being you know, pretty much like a, a, a cash grab on the whole, on the slasher trope and specifically Halloween. Um, that's not the only movie that uh, it was, um, that it took, uh, it took influence from. Yeah, there was another movie too that influenced from, but I, I, I never, I never knew anything about it. Um, it was a movie. So naturally we had like Victor Miller, like really went through the whole formula for Halloween and all that. Um, but there's another movie called Meatballs. Meatballs? Meatballs. Interesting. It was an, okay. It was an, it was an 80s uh, movie, teen sex comedy. Okay. And so they, I'm assuming they took like the sex elements from that and included I, it or? I, I would imagine, um, like, honestly, that movie just sounds completely terrible. Yeah, it does sound really I bad. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I feel like that's a movie that, um. Uh, oh God! What what what's that? Um, what's that one movie company that you get a lot of your movies from? Um, that do vinegar like syndrome. Uh, vinegar syndrome arrow or like like a like a distribute like a a label or like like something like like um like arrow or um vinegar syndrome or uh, something like that. Severin, There's one maybe? company. You said Severin. Oh, actually, it might be vinegar syndrome then. Because like I, that, I remember, it like, sounds like something vinegar syndrome would put out. Yeah. Yeah, then like yeah, that might be the one I'm thinking. Like, I, I I'm gonna have to do a little more research on that to find out. I'm pretty sure like that sounds like something they would put out. Yeah, it does. It sounds exactly like something. Put out. <laughs> yeah, but um, so yeah, like Meatballs and uh, Halloween were like the two um like two movies that they kind of like took from. But um, and to kind of add on to your um thing about well, how they're advertising it, um, this one's a little bit more like it's it's a little bit more uh, more known, but it's something that kind of like slips my mind a little bit every now and then. But um, it's like the fact that like Sean Cunningham and them were so um like, I don't know. I guess like they were like really like so proud or um so sure of themselves about the success of this thing. They're advertising, but they advertised it before it was even in production. Yeah, yeah, that's that's interesting. Like the fact that like also, you know, just like on as sort of in the same the same vein as as like kind of what we're talking about, like advertising and and numbers and stuff like that. Um. 
they, you know, they secured the funding and everything. They secured, I think, it, I believe their budget was around half a million dollars for this for this one. And back all the way back in 1980, uh, it grossed 59.8 million dollars on a $500,000 budget, which is absolutely insane. Like that sort of reminds me of paranormal activity where they, you know, like this, this sort of like just wild chance of like, cause it, you know, it was a student film. So they had like, I believe a somewhere between an eight to a $12,000 budget is somewhere in that ballpark. Uh, And it grossed like 200 something million dollars. So it's like, it's just every now and then you get these like box office success stories that are just like, absolutely insane like you know 59.8 million dollars is a lot of money but like especially a lot of money 41 years ago you know that's like that's huge i would like to see those numbers adjusted for inflation now and see how much it made i i would say it's probably over like it's somewhere in the 200 to 250 million range if i had to guess but i don't know for sure possibly but yeah so that's interesting though about the about the movie called Meatballs. I've I've actually I've never even heard of that one before. So that's that's always yeah. <laughs> um that's kind of cool. So it so yeah, I mean there's all these different influences and stuff that are that are part of what makes Friday the 13th Friday the 13th. And and interestingly enough, like I know that they they always seem to release this like sort of uncut version of Friday the 13th like on Blu-ray and um it's like i've i read online before that like basically like the critical response was kind of divided because the 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 violence was so graphic you know quote unquote and it's like yeah. if you go back and you watch it like hardly any of it's actually shown on screen most everything is like off screen and so even in like the uncut versions they might add like a millisecond more like blood and and there's like it doesn't really start getting graphic until around like part four or five ish and even then um the the violence is relatively tame yeah i, I think a bit of that like still ha- like um i i feel like uh like that was part uh part of like the the thing that victor miller tried to do so much um and i guess like cunningham too like when they're getting the uh like you know getting the same tropes like for halloween um the whole like it seems violent, but it's the implication of what's going on that makes like the perception of it really violent. Yeah. And that's, that's a, that's a fair point because typically like, especially in, in books, but also in film too, like the, when you let the audience imagine something versus showing it, they typically imagine something a lot more horrifying than what you could actually show on screen, which is sort of the effect of like showing the monster in a, in a horror movie too much, kind of takes away from the the um fright factor i guess you know like like it's you know uh, not to get too off topic but like in the conjuring movies the nun was scary because you barely saw the nun and then the actual movie called the nun wasn't scary because they showed her every 30 seconds which is also an interesting point and kind of leads me into my next point that even though that's the case where you know you show a monster over and over and over again and it becomes not scary friday the 13th and halloween are kind of the opposite of that like because you constantly see jason you constantly see michael but there's still this intimidating presence on screen so just a little observation because like how pissed would you be if you watched a friday the 13th movie and then jason was in like four seconds of it 
you know? Yeah. Well, I, I, I really don't know how to make the, uh, how to, I guess, make too much of an argument with, uh, for Jason. Well, I mean, I, I guess an argument could be still be made for Jason too, in some aspects, but, uh, even though like they might have like airtime or something like that, I think it also has to do with, you know, like, um, like the context of how you're seeing them, you know, mm-hmm. as far as like, you know, like, what are they doing on screen? Are they doing a lot? Or are they doing really little? And, uh, you know, like how long are you being exposed uh, to them? I think like all that kind of encompasses is like to um, like kind of to like about um, at least like for the argument of like, well, you still see them, but, what are they doing in the scene? How long are they being exposed? You know, what is it exactly that they're, that they're doing? Are they just like, do you see them like in a far off, far off, like just doing kind of like a stocky kind of thing? Or are they doing something active? Like, yeah. you know, like killing somebody, attacking them, how long are they doing it? I think like it, like when, at least when it comes to like how long they're being exposed, I feel like the, like the timing is, is key to keep somebody uh, like to still have that kind of, that that kind of um that type of like feeling you get like where you know like you don't feel too overexposed like they, they don't feel too over overexposed while still maintaining a little bit of that fear you know what i mean yeah that's a fair point because like a lot of the time in, in aside from you know friday the 13th part one because jason's obviously it's no secret he's not in it but like um or he's not the killer rather um he like there's always that sort of element of like somebody watching you in the woods. There's a lot of camera work that happens behind tree branches and leaves and like poking around the corner of a cabin or like, you know, sneaking up the stairs and stuff like that. And there's a lot of those POV shots, I think that make it kind of um, interesting as well. It's not just like, here's the killer. Here's Jason. Here's, you know, Mrs. Voorhees. Like it's, you don't know. And, And also part of what makes, the first one so effective is that you don't know like you kind of assume that it's jason the whole time because it's like oh yeah jason drowned in the lake and when he was a young boy and like you kind of assume that it's him the whole time um especially if you're coming into friday the 13th knowing the concept of jason but never having watched any of them like it's you know like i i feel like at the time when the franchise first came out like when friday the 13th part one first came out and nobody was familiar familiar with Jason Voorhees like you are today, then it's like, okay, you know, now you have this, the knowledge of, okay, Jason is a thing. I know he's attached to this particular franchise, Friday the 13th. So you go back and you watch the first one if you've never seen it, and you're, like, expecting it to be Jason the whole time. And then it's like, bam, plot twist. It was actually his mom. And, you know, it's almost like the reverse idea of, of the Star Wars, Luke, I am your father, you know, like – because everybody knows the plot twist and they know it's, it, it, you know, but anyway, just, I digress, but I don't want to go down too far. <laughs> well, 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 you're not, you're not digressing. Cause that leads me to another point like, like that, that what you kind of said there led, led me to another point with Halloween. And you know, like we we've talked before too, you know, about um, like uh, how the intention for that was not um, like Michael was never intended, you know, to be, you know, like the killer the entire time. Like throughout, like there wasn't, there wasn't meant to be a sequel. We got a sequel. And even like from then, like, it, like they, you know, had like different concepts of what they wanted to do. Literally that, like, that was, you know, essentially the, the, the same thing with Friday the 13th. Yeah. Yeah. That's, and, and, you know, it's, it's like, it, I think the first movie almost sort of stand, like, like you said, it's, it, it wasn't supposed to be this 
huge long running franchise like it is now with what is it like 11 11 movies in the series because you got jason x plus the remake so that'd be 11 i mean maybe not 11 in like the main storyline but yeah i think in total friday the 13th movies so it's like you know eventually when you're getting to when you have 11 movies in a franchise it's like okay what are we gonna do next but like anyway going back to the first film is like watching an entirely different franchise because the first one and you know say the fourth one are entirely different like the concept is is sort of the same like you know campers go to a camp and then they get picked off one by one but the tone of them is like completely different and Absolutely. it's like they they get more and more fun and more and more ridiculous as you progress past the first one. It's like you watch the first one because it's like part of film history. And it's like, I mean, it's a pretty good movie, but it's more of like a murder mystery type like movie because you're just trying to figure out the whole time who's doing it, who's doing this. Like it kind of feels similar to like a, like if Agatha Christie wrote a, a book about a bunch of teenagers going to a camp. Um, maybe she has, I don't know. She's got like 400 books, but um it, that's kind of what it feels like to me. It's like the whole time your main priority is trying to figure out who is killing all these campers. And then you get to the, you know, as you progress in the series, you start to see that, uh, you, you know, that it's Jason. So you know who's killing them, but you still keep coming back because the, at that point, Jason becomes the main attraction. It's no longer who's doing this and why is this happening? It's just, we know why it's happening. We know who's doing it, but we're still going to come back because he's just that good of a character. So that's sort of like my interpretation of, of the first one. And it's like, you know, even if I do like other ones in the franchise, like way better than the first one, you like, we wouldn't have part two and three and four if we didn't have part one. And part one is great for like, I kind of like to watch part one and part two back to back, which we'll get to part two in a little bit, but I like to watch them as one long movie because it's it's so like part one is like the setup for everything and then part two is like oh yeah here we go you know and yep. it's like it's part one is essentially like if you're playing it a really long game and it's like you know here's all the lore that you need here's all the lore and the backstory and the setup and then we're really going to take stuff to like the next level in in the second you know part of this story so and I always forget that it has Kevin Bacon in it. Every time I watch it, I forget. And I'm like, hey, Kevin Bacon's in this movie. <laughs> Just a... I love that. I love that. <laughs> but it's, like, Just... it's funny, too, because, like, like I, I don't know why I, uh, why I like, necessarily thought this, too. But, I, like, for some reason, I always thought that that was his first movie. But it's not. Yeah, I don't even know what his first movie is, actually. Like, if I'm not mistaken, I think it was, like, his second or third. Maybe like it, it was early on in his career, but I for some reason like when I first watched it, I noticed that noticed that that was him. For some reason, I always thought that that was his first movie, but it's not. Yeah, it seems you know it's it, that would have been cool, kind of like if that was his first movie, sort of like how uh, Johnny Depp, you know, Nightmare on Elm Street. Um, yep, yep. It looks oh, like uh, La uh, National Lampoon's Animal House was his first movie. Really? He played, yeah, he played Chip Diller. Yep, I know exactly. Yep, yep. My uh, my old roommate, my old roommate had me watch that for the first time. Uh, oh, really? Back in the yes. <laughs> there, there, there's uh, <laughs> I like there was one particular scene in that movie that just really made me cringe, like hard. 
uh, I, I don't feel like repeating it. <laughs> it's like right near the end. It's like right I've actually never seen it either. Oh, it's it, it's it's funny. It's 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 hilarious. Like there's like there's one scene like near the end of it, right, where you're just gonna be like, that is a really distasteful kind of joke, but I can't help but laugh at the ridiculousness of it. Gotcha. I feel like that's well, what the entire basis of National Lampoon is. Well, anything with uh, like well, and most of um, oh shit, what's his name? Landon Landis, John Landis. Oh, John Landis. Yeah. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure he did. Uh, he did Animal House. I don't know. Um, that sounds entirely possible. Um, yep, he did. Yeah, he sure did. Yeah, his uh, yep. his, his sense of humor, especially with the comedy stuff. Uh, yeah. Uh, oh, wait. It can be a Sorry. little. <laughs> Could you repeat that again? Sorry, oh. my Siri just came on and was like, "What can I help you with?" And I was like, no, "Nothing." <laughs> <laughs> that's cool um no i was um i was just saying like landis is uh landis's sense of humor uh it can it can i don't know i feel like it, it can be kind of polarizing a lot like just i guess like mm-hmm. just like where you where you stand on certain on certain grounds if you know what i mean yeah oh yeah for sure but, so um I, but um, there, like, there was one um, interesting thing, like since um, like you brought up the thing about Kevin Bacon, um, I didn't really um, like. This is something I really wouldn't have known unless I like really did like a deep dive. <laughs> but um, apparently, um, Sally Fields uh, was considered for uh, playing um, for playing Alice. Really? Yes. I'm interested. Per- fairly certain it was Sally Fields. Yes. Um, this is also just kind of like a little side note, uh, but. This weekend is Days of the Dead convention in Atlanta, and um, Adrian King is actually going to be at the convention, so that should be pretty cool. I'm going to get her to sign. I got a big Friday the 13th, 40th anniversary poster. I'm going to get her to sign. So, um, but yeah, that's interesting. Like, I, you know, it's like one of those, I feel like she's perfect casting for Alice. Um, oh, yeah. She's such a great final girl, and, um, yeah, I, I really love I love her character. There's not many likable characters in the first Friday the 13th, honestly. You're kind of just like you're you're literally all like in the movie for the sake of getting killed off. That's it. Like yep. but Alice is good and Al, like she's exactly what you want in a final girl. So I think it's kind of cool. And also it's interesting to me too. Like you never like aside from like Kevin Bacon, which I say, you know, I always forget he's in the first movie. Um, And then Adrian King. And then like maybe a few others kind of like sprinkled throughout the, uh, I mean, obviously like Betsy Palmer, but she was already an established actor before, um, you know, long before she started in in Friday the 13th, but like none of the other um, characters really, like I said, except for a few have, have gone on to do like, you know, like had like really flourishing careers. And I, I wonder if that's just because of the nature, like of the movie itself, you know, like the, the fact that they starred in a slasher, you know, cause you would think that somebody who was in such a legendary movie like Friday the 13th would have a pretty strong start in the, in the business. You know, it seems like nowadays, like um, say for example, Anya Taylor joy from the witch, like she was in that movie and her career just exploded. Like, and um, you know, I, I would think that Friday the 13th is a touch more popular than the witch. Um, I'm, I'm not like, you know what I'm saying? Just in terms of pure popularity, oh, yeah. Um, yeah. not, not saying like, I'm not speaking bad of the witch. I love that movie, but it's just well, interesting to me. That, 
That's the thing. The witch is an right. asshole name, I find it. Yeah. Exactly. And it's just, yeah, it's just kind of interesting that like none of the actors really like went on to have like explosive careers in, in cinema. Yeah. Um, I've always wondered that too. Like, cause it ha- it definitely has that sort of like Halloween 78 feel where it's like, okay, like the director just rounded up a bunch of his friends and family for this. Like, Hey, Adrian King, do you know anybody that can come to like, you know, that's sort of the feeling yes. that you get. Yeah. And you can yeah. kind of tell who it is as you watch the movie. Like you could tell who the like established actors are. Cause like Betsy Palmer is like fantastic. Adrian King's great. And then the others is like, you know, uh, like I'm not gonna like rip on anybody's performance or anything, but you can definitely tell like who's an established oh, yeah. actor and who's not. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, at this point, there's not really a whole lot that you would even really need to know plot wise about the first Friday the Thirteenth group of camp uh, group of camp counselors are stalked and they're murdered by somebody you don't know who it is, but you do now if you listen to this podcast because I said it like 20 minutes ago it's the mom it's the mom the whole time not jason (laughs) (laughs) so anyway yeah i mean there's there's i'm sure that you've seen friday the 13th if you're listening to this um but yeah that's i mean disappointing how disappointing would it be if no one nobody that listens to this has seen friday the 13th that would be shockingly unbelievable do you have anything else to add about the first Friday the Thirteenth? Uh, I, I honestly, I will say probably nothing, nothing, um, nothing too like productive to continue on in a conversation with. I, I know that it won two Razzies. Yeah, it won two but, Razzies. Yeah. <laughs> that the Razzies are such like a, <laughs> that's such a like a, a a douchey thing to have, like. Oh yeah. Hey, here's an award because we hated your movie. Like, but it also doesn't mean anything because the thing won several Razzies. Oh yeah. Annual office, and still ends up being a freaking classic. Like, I don't know, like, like that that whole concept of like, again, I'm 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 already sorry for bringing this up. Because I was going to go off topic again. Here. But like, that's, like the- that's me in any conversation. I'm sorry for bringing this up. <laughs> Like, 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 really, just like get that gets under my skin, like so much that, like, the fact that, like, there's something like that, even though it doesn't mean anything, the, like, the reality that it's that it's an actual thing really does, like, piss me off. Yeah, fact, no, like, I agree. Even though, like, it was a fun, like, it was something that they wanted, like, they wanted to do, put it out there, and essentially, like, ho- like hopefully, everybody did, you know, had fun freaking doing that thing, and then, like, a some kind of like, a, uh, like awards. Well, awards things for painting stuff like i i i I, all like the hard work and everything those guys put in and then just someone just essentially just slap them in the face and just tell them it's awful like i i don't get it i don't understand that yeah i'm i'm with you i don't get it either especially like if it's a you know if it's a movie like um (laughs) like rubber or (laughs) like (laughs) thanks killing you know sure that's a treasure don't say the, that. the cinematic classic thanksgiving um then you know yeah whatever give it a razzie but like you know not not something where it's like pretty obvious that somebody's actually trying to make a good movie um yeah you know especially the thing like because they gave morricone like didn't he want a razzie for the worst score did he i'm pretty sure that yeah i'm pretty sure for for the thing he won a razzie for worst for the worst score that is an abomination right there right 
Seriously. Yeah, I'm like 99% positive. That's... Yeah. No. I That's what I said. I was like, uh, how? It's like, how dare you? How? First of all, yeah, how really? are you going to be like, hey, Ennio Morricone, you know, legendary composer of like 400 soundtracks, your score sucked. Like, the good and the bad and the ugly. Fistful of dollars, a few dollars more. Once yeah. upon a time in the past. Like, I think, a- yeah, like, I think he knows what he's doing, you know? Yes. Like, <laughs> like who are you and- to tell him? And then some guy named Chad is going to be like, you know what? Uh, I, I don't think that you did know what you're doing. Actually, it needed more cowbell. I went to Juilliard. Now, now, now I really digress. <laughs> Moving along. <laughs> All right. So. Just don't ever have me on here anymore. This is just going to keep on. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So now we're, we're going to make it. We're going to make it to the end of this podcast. So Friday the thirteenth. Don't, Don't, Don't count on it. Don't count on it. No, this is we're just gonna ramble for the next half hour. Thank you. So Friday the thirteenth part two. It's a it, it's a it's a like one year later, this the part two comes out. And then at this point, it's like they're like, hey, every year we're gonna just churn out another Friday the thirteenth, which is in, like seriously impressive that they turn it's like before oh, yeah. Saw was a thing, like in there <laughs> you know because saul was like what's up we got a new movie every six months but friday the 13th was like, <laughs> like, later, to the, like how how which yeah anyway i was about to sidebar but i'm not we gotta i'm, I'm staying on topic yeah. so, no, ni- we'll so 1981 friday the 13th part two comes out and then every year after that um you have you got part three comes out in 82 part four comes out actually it looks like they skipped uh 83 83 got no love the final chapter came out two years later and then in part five came out in 85 part six in 86 so it kind of lined up with the years there for a little bit which is kind of cool but um yeah yeah, so anyway um you know you fast forward to part two mrs Voorhees is dead camp crystal lake shut down and then kids start dying again there's pesky camp those pesky campers just keep dying. Um, so, yeah, you know, Steve Biner directed this one, which I thought was really cool because he's, I feel like he's a director that doesn't really get enough love. Like, I mean, I don't think he's done anything in a, in a while. Um, I think he's done some like TV episodes and stuff like that, but I don't think he's directed any films as of late. I know he was set to direct a horror movie in Albany, Georgia at one point. I was just about to bring that up. I was about to say if you remember that or not. Yeah. And then yeah. it got shut down. Um, Thanks for something what- or they, they, they canceled the movie. I don't know. Something happened. And so anyway, but he did direct Halloween H2O, which is great. And one of my all time favorites house from 85. Um, there you go. Stuff. <clears throat> and so, yeah. So I think it's interesting that we get to see like his interpretation of a Friday the 13th movie and this one, and it kind of starts moving forward with the whole like Jason mythos and like the whole, just, it starts to kind of take shape as a franchise that you, you know, and love like it's, you know, you have the tone of the first one. Like I said, reminds me sort of like at the Agatha Christie, like who, who done it type movie, but like, you know, with a killer and, or, I mean, I guess our stuff has killers, but you know what I mean? It's like a, it's sort of starting to set the precedent for like a slasher movie. Um, 
but in like an Agatha Christie tone in the first one. And this one starts to take on really like the the like cadence and the just the <coughs> shape of a of an actual Friday the 13th movie that we would come to expect moving forward from there. So I think yep. Steve in a lot of ways is sort of like responsible for kind of putting his vision on it because he had directed several other like, you know, um he's he's done he's done stuff in the horror genre and house is such a like a, a underrated horror movie that it's this really like quirky sort of film and and i think he's just kind of putting his which actually house came out after um friday the 13th part two so i guess it's sort of irrelevant but um yeah i mean i i think that it's just him kind of setting his vision for friday the 13th and where it's going after that and and um you know, I'm sure there's like a whole creative team behind those decisions. I don't think it's just one guy, but I feel like his his vision definitely influenced. I can I can help with that. Go for I it. I got you. I got you. So um, so if I'm not mistaken, um, I'm pretty sure Steve Miner was a producer on the first one. Yeah, I think you might be right. I'm really certain. I'm pretty sure he was a producer on the first on the first Friday the Thirteenth, but um. And two, if, like somebody can probably correct me on this later on if, if need to be, but I'm pretty sure like the, the main idea or the person behind the idea uh, for like to do the whole Jason thing. So like <clears throat> if we go back like to um, back, I guess like near the end of, end of the first one, you know, you like the, the first appearance of Jason and everything. Um, obviously, you know, I, I, you know, people wanted to, you know, I, I, I'm guessing, you know, after listening to the first one, I'm getting like either, either it was like from somebody from the production team thought it'd be a good, a good idea to um, have movies based on Jason, or if it was like something of like a fan, uh, like a fan reaction or something like that. Like, what's what's this thing about this um, person, Jason? Like, we'd like mm-hmm. to see more. I'm not sure exactly which one of it, um, like, was like the spark to it. All the same, though. Um, one of the other producers for it, um, I, it's uh, Phil Scuderi or Suderi. I'm not sure how you pronounce his last name, um, but it was actually, uh, if I'm not mistaken, I'm pretty sure it was his idea to involve Jason uh, in this sequel, and depending on the success of it, continue to use him for other ones. Like so, mm-hmm. he was he was kind of like the catalyst of, of that idea, and <clears throat> um, I guess like you know, Miner agreed with that. Like he thought that would be a great idea going in, going into it for two. And that was the reason for Cunningham, Victor Miller and Tom Savini to leave because they didn't see Jason as a villain. They saw him as a victim. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, that, I, like that, that's an I interesting like that, point actually. Yeah. Oh, big time. Cause like, you know, like what you said too, you know, about um, how uh, like Friday the 13th, like the first one, like being, you know, like this kind of like murder mystery of, uh, murder mystery kind of shot not only like you know when, when you like as you're watching the movie and everything you know it is a uh it is a murder mystery but whenever you get down to the crux of it when you and uh when you meet uh pamela you realize like this was a murder mystery turned into a i'm not going to say purely but a somewhat justifiable rage mm-hmm. yeah and like and that like that whole kind of idea, you know, was you know changed like in for the sequel having Jason come in and being a villain. That would have been a, a very interesting movie to to take Jason and make him not the villain, but the victim. Like the what an like that would completely change like everything about the franchise. 
Yeah. That's. Hmm. But like, even That's, though I like, think like thinking about that too, it's like knowing what, like given, you know, like giving everything we know about the first one, you know, like even with that thought, you know, like where could you, like, how could you, you know, how could you take it from everything we know from the first one and make that idea into a sequel? I mean, like, granted, you know, like, you, like the, I guess like the idea of like, you know, like, who the father is or something like that, that could like yeah. be kind of going into it. Um, but yeah, I agree though. I think like, I, I feel like like that would have been a really interesting take if they were to continue that. Like if say, you know, like if Cunningham and everything and all of them were to make a sequel and that, in that kind of line of vision, that would be yeah. really freaking cool. But I, I think too, I like the original intention, if I'm not mistaken, too, was that they were wanting to, um, if they wanted to do make it a franchise, which I can't remember if that was the actual intention first. I guess it just depended on how successful it was. But I think, in, if I'm not mistaken, too, I think like if depending on how successful it was, they wanted to make uh, make sequels for it um, based on the holiday itself. Because, like, mm. if you think about it, too, like, Jason, you know, his birthday was Friday the 13th. Yeah. In the first. So, like, that, you know, that would make sense, you know, why that would make sense for that, and for that kind of, um, that kind of thing. And then, you know, base everything else off of, you know, off of the, you know, accursed holiday. Hmm. Interesting. Okay. Um, I also, while we're on the subject of, of like, creative teams and, and creative, I, like, just the whole creative force behind these things. I also wanted to note too, that, um, part two is the first time that we have Frank Mancuso jr. Uh, in the role of producer. And I also have to believe that he has, he definitely had some, like some direction behind the, like the direct or some, um, control rather over the direction of the franchise at moving forward because he was a producer yep. on two, three, four, I and five, and I don't think he was a producer on six. Um, but then he came back for seven, maybe or eight, something like that. It's kind of weird, but he's he's a producer on many of the of the movies in the franchise, and so I, I definitely feel like he, along with Steve Miner, and and yes, he was a producer on the first movie as well and then steve actually directed um we won't talk about three today we'll talk about in the next episode but steve was also a director of part three he directed part two and three and was a producer on one two and i believe also a producer on part three so you have a lot of people who like a lot of the same people who who kind of got the franchise up and running and then kind of ran with it for for a few movies and then it was sort of like you know at the they handed the baton off to the next team of people and um so that's i feel like that's a good reason why we there's so many different um types of movies you know because you have the first one like we said many times murder mystery type movie then you have the second one that sort of starts to kind of set it in its slasher roots and then the third one you have the sort of like gimmicky slasher with 3d and then by the time you get to like four and five you're starting to kind of like uncover like the the real evil of jason and stuff and you have like He's and then you know, but just briefly, you have in six, he's like with a kind of like universal monster type Jason, uh, undead Jason, and then you have the psychokinetic abilities in part seven, and then you know, so there's like there's a thing for each movie, um, you know, there's Jason some sort of <laughs> what's that? Then Jason goes to hell. You have the deadite Jason. Yeah, 
and it's it's yeah so there's there's kind of like a thing for each one that makes it makes it a little bit more interesting and unique for for each film um and so yeah to to me the interesting thing about that is the the slasher roots of it kind of start to to uh to take hold so um and something else oh sorry sorry go ahead but Oh, um, so, you know, Adrian King is, um, is in, the, in this one. She reprises her role as Alice, but if you notice, she's only in this movie in the second one for just a very brief time. And the reason for that is actually kind of interesting. So I'm going to tie it into something else, but she was being stalked by a fan in real life. Um, and I'm reading a book right now called um, The Final Girls Support Group by a guy named Grady Hendrix. And fun fact, it's about... So it, the idea, the concept of the book, it's fiction, but the concept of the book is like, what if the final girls from like Friday the 13th and Halloween and Texas Chainsaw Massacre and all the slasher franchises, what if they all got together once a month and went to th- group therapy because of what they experienced? So that's like sort of a, a very brief plot, like a very brief premise of the book. So anyway, Adrian King narrates the audiobook, and her character in the book that she narrates has her apartment broken into and is stalked by a crazy fan. Well, that exact, that happened exactly in real life to Adrian King, which is why she was only in the movie for a brief amount of time. She said that she would come back and she would reprise her role as Alice, but she didn't want to be in the movie that long because of everything that she was going through. So pretty wild. (laughs) And like, and right before, um, and while I was, what I was, uh, I was, I was actually going to touch a little bit on that, uh, on that, uh, right before, right before you got into it, but um, but to add on to that, like, I, I, I'm, I, I agree with you, like, 100 on, uh, like, like Adrian King as Alice, you know, like she was like the, the, the perfect, the perfect uh, final girl. I like, I, I, I absolutely loved her. Having said that. The, the final girl for part two, I felt was a fantastic predecessor to Adrian King uh, for being the final girl in part two. Uh, I felt like um, the fact that she was a, if I'm not mistaken too, I think she was a, uh, she was a psychology major or something like that. Mm-hmm. And the whole idea of um, like what happened to Jason and the kind of effect that it took on her mother, sorry, took on to his mother and, uh, the fact that she was like asking a lot of that questions and uh, like really uh, kind of like investing in, into that um, ended up being such a huge, um, like her saving grace near the end of it, near the end of the movie. Yeah. I felt like that, like, I just feel like really felt like that was something that was, I don't know, like that, that was just a really interesting, interesting uh, take, especially for, um, for being a final girl too. Cause like, I, I can't really think of um, like necessarily, of any like the final girls like granted you know, like there was you know like a certain like selection of movies that were going around like within like the mid to late 70s going into the 80s um were the final girls you know like like there, there were final girls you know like that were you know like very, very cunning very witty and with humor and stuff um and not to say that none of them were intelligent because they were um but um I, I just felt like having like that little bit of like psychology um, added into um, the the character for the final girl in part two. Uh, I just felt like that was just a really really unique way um, to put a spin on onto the final girl. Yeah, I so 
the um one of my favorite like I, the things I tend to enjoy about a final girl is like I I'd rather enjoy when they are like it's somebody that you can root for because that's sort of the basis of a final girl, right? Is like somebody that you can root for, but not, they're not always that they don't always live up to that like expectation of like, you know, sometimes you have final girls or, or, or girls that are set up to be a final girl that are, you're just like, Oh my God, like, why, why are you right? Like, (laughs) but I, I agree. She's, she's the, the fact that it takes that sort of like the psychology and she's like that aspect of it. Like she's, she's a psychology major. And then she, it takes her looking into like how it would affect his mom. And like, it sets all that stuff up and then it fulfills that at the ending of it, which makes it immensely satisfying that, you know, and it's like, you're, you're root, you're cheering her as much as you come to cheer Jason on later in the movie. Like, yeah, Jason, you know, like it, as much as you do that later, like you're cheering that her on in part two. And so, yeah, I would agree. I would agree with you on that one for sure. Um, so <laughs> this is kind of an interesting point. Like I, I like, and, and I, I just want to get your take on it since we're we're kind of dissecting this and talking about it. Like, so in part two, right? You have like Jason's mom is dead. Mrs. Voorhees is dead, and then. I, I've I've read that Betsy Palmer and Tom Savini and Sean Cunningham have all come out publicly and said they thought the fact that Jason was still alive was really stupid. They thought it was a really dumb plot twist. And they were like, if he was alive, why didn't he just tell his mom? And they could have completely avoided all of the events of the first one. So what's your take on that? I mean, I honestly, uh, <clears throat> well, for one, um, I can't argue with their logic. Yeah. I definitely cannot argue with their with their logic on that for sure. Um at the same time, would Friday the 13th have been successful if Jason had if like the events didn't take place already? Yeah. Cause I'm like, if if you if you're making a sequel to a movie, but the events of the first movie didn't happen, you don't have a movie right? Like it doesn't exist. Uh, Also, I mean, I get, I get their point. I understand what they're saying, but I'm also kind of like, well, Jason wasn't really like the brightest kid either. Right. Like, so that's a possible like reason as to why that fits with his character as to why he didn't say anything to his mom. Like, I mean, he, he's not like, he's not really the smartest guy when it comes to like, and I'm all, I'm sure also like he, he doesn't really seem like communications is strong suit either. So just, you know, I just go up to him and see what happens. Yeah. Just talk about, you know, but anyway, so, so yeah, he, uh, I mean, I, I, I get their point, like, and, and I get what they're saying, but I also just kind of like, well, you know, I mean, it, it makes really sense perfect. for, you can't make too me. much sense in all. You can't. Well, yes, that's true. You can't. Yeah. <laughs> there he is. Let's run to him. But that you know, like I, I, like I said a couple of times already. I do. I get their point, and I get like where that where they're going with that. But also at the same time, number one, you wouldn't have a movie if you just said, "Well, why didn't he say this?" Like it's like you and like you said, it's a horror movie. So to a degree, common sense does kind of get thrown out the window a little bit. Otherwise, the whole movie would be over in like twenty minutes. And then secondly, 
it's just not really in his character. Jason doesn't even talk. So like, you know, it's not really like in his character the way that I, and I guess uh, like at that point he wasn't really like, he didn't have like an established set of rules. Like there was no rule that Jason didn't talk or anything, but now looking back on it, that's like another reason that you could tack onto it. Like Jason doesn't talk. It's not in his character to do that. And so anyway, moving on, but I just, I did think it was an interesting point um, that, that they brought that up. And I also wonder too, if maybe they brought it up just because like the franchise was going in a different direction. They didn't like the way it was headed. And so they were like, well, that's stupid. You know, it could have kind of just been like a flip it comment. Yeah. You know, I think that like, that kind of like goes like ties back into a little bit, like what I was mentioning earlier about like where, uh, what the, what like Cunningham and them had attended, had intended to do with the franchise. If it had, if the first one had been successful, and that was just like just continue continue it on, you know, as an anthology for the Friday the Thirteenth holiday itself. And like you think, you know, like who knows what what they, you know, if that were to happen, you know, what what else could they like, you know, who else, what, who knows what you know they would have been able to do if Betsy Palmer would have still even been involved in, at some point, like kind of like doing like the Jessica Lane kind of character in American Horror Story, where right, she comes back yeah. characters and stuff like that. You know, who knows. But I do know the truth that Bessie Palmer really didn't even want to be in the movie. I just knew, like, I like that, like, too, like, that's another thing, too. Like, Bessie Palmer didn't really want to be involved in the movie because horror movies, like, she never understood horror movies. Yeah, the exactly. Only she, the only reason she did it was because she needed a car. She needed a <laughs> new car. So she got the movie, she got paid, and she got a car. That's funny. I knew that she didn't want to be in it because she was, like, a pretty, I mean, she was definitely an established uh, actor at that point. And, and also, like, if I'm not mistaken, a pretty like classy actor too. So like, yes, it's sort of like Donald Pleasance coming to play uh, Doctor Loomis. Loomis. Like, yep. you know, like the like. I mean, and the, but to be fair though, the more that you dive into Donald Pleasance's filmography, like Halloween, like obviously the first Halloween is is a classic, but like the sequels and everything that he did, like people, are, you know, always say like that's crazy. You guys got Donald Pleasance. If you look at his filmography, he's got he's got some stinkers in it for sure. And um, you know, like actually, funnily enough, Severin put out one of those called the Black uh, the Black Cat. I believe he's in that one. If if I'm not mistaken, I'm pretty sure. And um, there, but there, I know for for a fact, there's one movie that. Um, Severin just put out not terribly long ago um, that it's it, um, got Donald Pleasance in and I'm pretty sure it's that one but I don't know no 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 it's not the black cat it is um, it's called it's got like a, a kind of a funny name it's called like horror Paganini horror is the name of it and it's got it's got Donald Pleasance in it, and uh, he's also in another one. They put out several movies that he was in. So, well, Severin put out Paganini Horror, and then uh, Vinegar Syndrome put out The House of Usher, and he plays Walter Usher in that movie. So he's got a lot of like four and five star rated films in his filmography. So, um, but anyway, that was just kind of related to like Betsy Palmer as a classy actor. Or how did they get Betsy Palmer for Friday the Thirteenth? similar thing like he seems like a really like donald pleasant seems like a really classy actor and he was in some great films but he also had some really bad films too is, is all I i'm saying a, I, th I think too a bigger uh big difference is and you you can probably correct me if i'm wrong on this but um i don't think he was really hesitant uh to audition for the role of loomis like how um how Palmer was for uh for pamela 
I think that he was a little reluctant to to do it at first. Um, mm. And I think that I, I can't remember exactly, but I'm pretty sure that he was at the least like a little reluctant to, to do the role. And then um, they ended up kind of convincing him, I believe. But like, you know, it looks like he's having a great time as the each, you know, sequel goes on. Um, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. But anyway, and it, and no, I could be like completely wrong on that, but I, um, I'm, I'm pretty sure. Oh yeah. So what it, what it was is actually that Donald Pleasance turned, he did initially turn the role down. He turned it down because of low pay. And then uh, he later, they, I think they kind of, I don't know if they renegotiated with him or, or what they did, if he just eventually changed his mind. But I know that, um, it was offered to him and I believe it was offered to uh, Christopher Lee. And also I th- yep. believe Peter Cushing maybe was offered to him as well. And so Sounds right. they, they both turned it down and then Donald Pleasance ended up accepting it. But anyway, yeah. So, um, so do you have anything else to add about part two? Um, there, there was, there was like, well, this kind of like goes, um, this kind of like, um, like encapsulates both, uh, both movies. I, uh, I would, I would say, but, um, the final point goes into part two, but, um, the freaking effects, the special effects we have brilliant stuff by Tom Savini in the first one. Brilliant act, brilliant stuff too by the special effects artist for the second one. I can't like again, apologies, but I I can't remember who did the special makeup effects for that, for that one. Um, but um, this is something I didn't really initially uh, know too. But um, Stan uh, Stan Winston was actually um, one of the uh, people that they were considering doing the special makeup effects for part two. Really? Yes. Interesting. That would have been cool. That would have been sick. Yeah. That would have been great. Um, yeah, the like it's it always amazes me to go back and watch stuff that Tom Savini did when he was like 22 years old and dude's just like knocking it out of the park like every time. I mean, I don't know, I, he probably wasn't 22 when he did Friday the 13th, but he was he was young, he was know, young. like you know, and so it's like holy heck, man, like he just <laughs> he's just this like i don't know it, there's there's people that work like i'm not saying he didn't work for his for it to hone in his craft and all that kind of stuff that's not at all what i'm saying but like there's <clears throat> there's so much of a like so much of his talent is just like natural you know like oh. you look at the stuff that he does when like the, the stuff that he just slaps together that he's like this isn't any good and you're just like it's amazing like you know and um I like I feel like so much of his his stuff is is just so natural and he makes it look like effortless, you know, and it's like this really elaborate get up that he does and it's just like completely it just looks like the easiest thing in the world for him. Oh, I absolutely do like the like the whole like concept of like um like again this, this is this is more on the first one than the second one too, but how like seamlessly easy it like it uh, like just like, how it looked. Um, you know, like when Kevin Bacon gets the pencil stabbed up through his neck. Yeah. Like, it's just so freaking brilliant. And like, it's, it's something that's like, it's just like, so that just seems like, so like, so simple. And I'm pretty sure like that, like the, the, 
like the effect itself too was a fairly simple one, but it shows just how like even like even something like so simple it can just be so freaking effective. Mm-hmm. You don't have to be like it doesn't have to be so freaking elaborate to you know, yeah. to to get some kind of like reaction out of that. That's true. Sometimes less is more. Yes. Sweet. Well, um, thanks again, Matt, for for coming on and doing this this series with me. It's fun, and I like I like doing these deep dives into Friday the Thirteenth. It's um, it's such a fun franchise, and there's so many different like people and moving parts to it as well. So there's like all this history and lore behind it. So I'm really excited as we progress further in the series. In the next episode, we'll do three and four, um, some some good movies, and then you know it. I can't wait like, for four. There's so yes. much. Stuff. There's so much to talk about for. There's so much to talk about. Like there's so much to talk about with the first two, but there's even more to talk about with like three and four and five and six and you know moving as you move into the franchise and it becomes more and more like convoluted and there's all this craziness. But yeah. So anyway, I hope everybody is enjoying these Friday Thirteenth episodes. The last one that we did was several months ago, back in June. So if you haven't listened to the first episode go back and check that one out and then come back in well i guess if you're listening to this now it's the end of the episode so it doesn't matter but thank you uh everybody for listening and hope you enjoy it and uh yeah we'll be back soon with another friday the 13th deep dive with part three and four bye for now